Hi guys, before we get started with this week's episode, we just have a little bit of news for you. Oh yes. We do. The news is that we now have a dedicated section on the official Manchester United app just for our podcast. Maisad Garnet, loving it? Yes, loving it. We know what you're thinking. Why should I move my favourite podcast app all the way over to a new app? Well, two reasons. Reason one is that you will get the podcast a whole 24 hours earlier. I think that's a really good reason. That's 24 hours earlier than everywhere else. And you can be first in line to hear every new episode. Yeah, and reason number two is it allows us to bring you so much more than just the episode. So if we talk about goals, you'll be able to see the goals within the app and you'll also see associated articles and something a lot of people have requested. You'll be able to watch more episodes of the podcast all in one place which to me seems sensational Mm -hmm. but if you're not convinced and want to stay where you are that's fine too we'll still bring you our pods right here every week as usual right here right now but also if you're on the app you won't have to sit through us telling you all this every time that's good yeah because this is going to get repeated if you're listening on something else but not on the app Uh, anyway that's it the official manchester night app now has a podcast section loads going on in there check it out now on with this episode download the app Welcome to another episode of the Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans, joined as always by Sam and Maisie. Helen, you look very brown. You've been away. <laughs> I have actually, Maisie. Been in my holidays. I can see. I had a lovely time, thank you. Yeah. Got back from Dubai last weekend and then Maisie and I had a little jaunt to Milan. Oh yes. What are you doing in Milan? The important people only got asked, Sam, unfortunately. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> presumably that's where that video of Maisie singing came from. Yeah. We went to, we stayed in Milan, but we went to the game, obviously, in Bergamo. And we had a great time. You were missed, though, guys. Yeah, uh, Helen, obviously, is that, that, that video, you sent us a video of Maisie singing and cooking, and it was spectacular. Yes, we had a cooking task, which we know Maisie is quite the chef. I didn't know he was a singing chef, though. Oh, you know. Well, let's, let's have a listen. We'll give the, we'll give the listeners a, a listen to Maisie singing. Alan. I feel really responsible for that now. Did you get any um, professional training? Where did you learn to sing? Just, just natural. Just, just, I'm natural. just natural. Thanks, Alan. Natural entertainer is what I would say. Hey, I tell you what, it was good food. Team Maisie and Vincenzo, we won it against Robbo's team. You can cook for me anytime. It looked great. Um, um, shall we go on? Helen, you going to do it, were you? Yes, I was just going to say, we went to Old Trafford for this podcast, had a little tour uh, of the stadium, which we haven't done before, which was nice. 14 trophies this man has, Rio Ferdinand. I've uh, been wanting to get him on for quite a while. Did this podcast live up to your expectations, Maisie? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Whenever you listen to him on BTR, uh, on social media, it comes across very good. And uh, I always thought, the way he conducts himself, the way he comes across, very, very good. So I knew, I knew this was going to be good. Yeah, he always speaks really well, doesn't he? And all topics as well. 
which is very good. Maisie, do you get more interested in talking to defenders than you would say at a forward? Uh, no, not really, Sam. I just I like players that open up to to everybody and not not hide behind things. And I think not blowing smoke up all our backsides, but I think we do get the best out of some of our some of our guests. You know, I think we ask the right questions, and uh, that's the feedback I've had off, off a lot of people. Sam, were you anticipating Rio turning up in a nice white suit? I mean, it was a possibility, wasn't it? It's a bit like John O'Shea. He's someone you can point to and say there's just loads of iconic moments and it starts with a white suit, which was which was brave. Um, he's someone I couldn't wait to talk to because he was so involved in everything, wasn't he? He seemed like not just... You know, when we spoke to Berbatov and people talked about how he would be in the dressing room but just sort of sat watching all the stuff in the dressing room take place, but not necessarily joining in. I feel like Rio Ferdinand was always in the centre of all those stories and 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 just sort of all the celebrations. Sam. He was on top of everybody. Yeah. I feel like I should. I feel like I should interrupt and say you are sure. joined by little Florence. Yeah, she's crawling around next to me. Wondering. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. She's very interested in what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you can hear. Um, yeah, people were. Uh, well, I was really excited to, to to talk to him and listen to him talk about being involved in everything, even like photos of him in celebrations. Just, yes. He was just always there and always about and always interesting, I think. Big character in the dressing room. Absolutely. Big character. You can see that he is a leader off the pitch as well as on it. Very vocal. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You agree? Cool. See? Yeah. All right. Let's hear from the man himself then. This is our chat with Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. We know that you're not a stranger to podcasts, mm-hmm. but uh, we are delighted to have you with us today. How has your week been? What have you been doing? Uh, busy. Uh, obviously, Champions League's been this week, so I've been doing the games, done the Chelsea game and done the... What other games did I do? Chelsea game, I think it was a City game that we done. Yeah, it was a City game. So, yeah, it's been busy. Uh, a few bits and pieces new baby as well like nine months old I know you've got a seven month old baby so you know the drill so but it's been good are you busier now than yes. when you were yeah my <laughs> <laughs> well, missus will tell you that as well yeah. so like, it's just like manic it's, um, but I like being busy I think like you see a lot of the guys on the circuit who are doing loads of different bits and pieces it's not just the punditry you do, you do loads of stuff off the pitch as well um, your own little businesses that you've got going on as well so yeah busy along with the school stuff with the kids and their clubs as well so it's manic We've heard, obviously, from former professionals in the past who have talked about how difficult it is once they hang up their boots because you don't get that rush of hmm. playing in front of thousands of fans and the routine of going to games. Do you think that's why you love being busy now? Because it, it I guess, replaces or gives you something totally different to do with your life? Yeah, I think you need a focus. I think Maisie would say the same thing. If you haven't got a focus when you finish the game, that's when you probably sink into some, like, situations that you probably didn't envisage while you was playing. So, like, I was quite aware that I needed to put some stuff in place so that when I did retire, I kind of had a few different avenues to go down. So like for instance, I opened a restaurant in Manchester, it's still open now, Rosso, by a foundation, working and trying getting kids into employment, um, doing the punditry stuff. But I was doing my magazine while I was still playing, which is like a digital magazine, with the mindset that it's media, and if I wanted to go into media, that the broadcasters would know that I'm 
okay in front they've seen me experience yeah. and be exposed to that so different things like that that I'd set up and that so that once I retired I wasn't panicking and it weren't an afterthought and I wasn't I was being proactive more than reactive to retirement which I think is key we spoke to Sir Alex a couple of weeks ago and he told us that when you first started using Facebook the club spoke to you because they were worried yeah. about what that might lead to yeah it was, it was Twitter yeah, I was thinking yeah. when he said yeah. Facebook, well, I was like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't yeah, Facebook. It was, it was but... Twitter, but I, I remember him and I remember it perfectly. Him and um, Sir Alex and David Gill pulled me into a, into a meeting and said, "Listen, what are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what, I'm sh- Man United will be on this soon. Boss, the club will be doing this at some point." But they didn't believe me. They, the gaffer weren't interested in stuff like that. He wants you to go and play football, which is understandable. But I was very much thinking about other things and like outside the box a little bit. And I just saw social media getting to somewhere like what it is today. I didn't know it was going to be like this as powerful, but I thought it's going to be something where you can connect to the fans. I, as a fan, as a kid, would want to be on Twitter seeing what my heroes, John Barnes, Gazza, and that were doing. So and that's how I saw it and viewed it. It's quite inspirational listening to you, uh, your thoughts of when you were going to retire. Like a lot of people don't really know, but I was reading an interview um, that you did and you said a lot of that forward thinking came from your parents as a young age. They were very uh, prominent in the community. Was that, was that correct? Yeah, my mum and dad, like my mum worked in the local nursery, looked after kids, child mind for loads of people on the on the estate and stuff, but was always involved in the estate and doing stuff. And my dad was, was similar with other, some of the other kids on the estate, getting them to and from football. Um, but I, I just think that like, I'd seen a lot of people, as I said, ex-players, we know we see them about, and some of them you see and you can see in their eyes, there's nothing there. They ain't got that buzz anymore. They haven't got that three o'clock, the bell goes bang, we're out, we're playing and that, that feeling that you get. And when you do lose that, it is a massive thing out of your life. Mm. Even just structure on a day-to-day basis, going training. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm going training. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm going training. Losing that, you just you end up sitting there at home like, what am I doing? And that would lead to a lot of lot of bad stuff. We've seen the different like the crazy stories that go on with players that are finished and don't have anything to excite them anymore. Whereas I was quite really adamant I need something in my life and I'm going to prepare for it. Do you think clubs do enough for that then? After a time at the PFA and stuff? I don't think they do enough when they see you're on that that journey down mm-hmm. now, down the mountain. You've got to the top, you've done what you've yeah. got to where your ability will let you get to and then obviously there's the way down now and, and you're on that last three or four or five year process, processing retirement. I think that's when you got to get into people, not when re- you've retired. Because once you retire, it's almost too late. Do you know what mm. I mean? People want them want something to walk into. Yeah. And so, like, I was lucky. I I, I, I went into media, and it's just been like it's, it's great because like like so I'm seeing you today. Mm-hmm. We, we share the change room for a bit of time. Yeah. I'm seeing other friends who I've been sharing the pitch with at different times against or with, and it just keeps you involved. It keeps you the juices juices flowing. So, it's, it's great in that sense. But I think that the well, listen, my experience at Man United, Man United weren't interested in helping me build for that, the, the next phase of my life. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I, well, I didn't expect it. But I think society's changed probably a little bit where you've got to, got to help institutions like Man United, all the football clubs, the Football League, the FA, the PFA, etc. I think it's probably something that they're, they're really much more into than, than in, in my time. Mm-hmm. So we know what you're doing now. Let's go back to the very beginning. What was life like for you growing up in London? Oh, it, was, it was the best times. Like whenever anyone talks about your youth and what you were doing, I, I always smile because it was just like carefree, being with your best friends, playing football every day, talking about match of the day, who's good, who's not, 
what team's top of the league, who's going down. That's all it was. It was just that. So simple, not really much simple has changed life. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not much has changed. It's just doing the same thing, just look a bit older. But it's um, still not on TV and getting yeah, paid now. It's just um, no, it, it, they were the best times, and I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm still friends with a lot of the guys that I grew up on that estate with. So that's good. And you were a Liverpool fan, right? I weren't exactly a Liverpool fan. This is a lot of people say this. Liverpool yeah. fans come and talk to me about this a lot, but. I love John Barnes. Mm-hmm. All, a lot of my mates and my probably ninety percent of them were Liverpool fans, mm-hmm. so I, I, I watched a lot of Liverpool stuff. But John Barnes was my guy. I didn't really support a team properly. Yeah. And then I signed for West Ham, and I love West Ham. Then I left West Ham, went to Leeds, had a good time there. Come to Man United, spend the amount of time I did here. You end up supporting Man United, and my kids support Man United, so I'm Man United now. Who did your brothers support growing West up? West Ham. Because I was at West Ham, and I'm seven years older. He was coming to West Ham games, mm. coming to youth team, watching me play. So he grew up a West Ham fan properly. I suppose for you, being good at football and interested in football when you were younger, wasn't that weird for your family because Les Ferdinand is your cousin? Obviously. You say that, but my, I didn't know Les. Oh, you didn't know? My family's quite a big family and yeah. he was in a part that I'd never ever, ever met before, never seen him before. And I, and I only found out about him when everyone else did, when he was on telly. And then my dad and everyone started doing a bit of fishing and then you find out that we're related. But... Um, but yeah, so my, my dad wasn't into football. My dad was into like martial arts, kung fu. My mum wasn't into football at all either. So how I got into it, I just, I don't know. my <laughs> uncle actually was the one who asked me to come and play for his team and that was it. Kung fu, we've never had a parent on that's done kung fu ever. <laughs> that's the first time. Yeah, discipline was real in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also read as a child, you did ballet. Hmm. Which we were talking about just briefly. So we for, Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Elliot before Billy Elliot, wasn't I? Yeah. No, it was. It was. That was about age ten, did about you say? Ten, eleven years. And had old. you already started playing football for a team at that stage? No. So I turned it. I went. I think I went ballet at ten, and I wasn't in the team. And my uncle then had a team, and he asked me to go out about eleven. Um, and I was doing both for a couple of years, and then one day he said, "Listen, you got to choose. You can't be doing both. You're going to wear yourself out." And uh, luckily, I chose football. But doing ballet was a huge driver in me becoming a footballer, mm-hmm. 100% in terms of strength, in terms of core, in terms of balance. Mm-hmm. Did you good. have two left shoes and everything? Because in that one, we don't ballet, they wear two left, you wear, you wear two left slippers? I don't know what ballet shoes are called. I don't know, shoes? I'm not sure. They have really bad toes, don't they, ballet dancers? I didn't know. Is that because they wear two left ones or just because they're on the toes? I think that's right, is you wear... But, Is it? I don't know. Yeah, but they get really sore toes, right, ballet dancers. So I didn't know if that would be a problem with football. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have to go on my toes in that much, to be fair. But um, <laughs> and then blocks, you have the blocks you know, at the it, end yeah. when they got, yeah. I didn't do all that. But um, yeah, I've done all the other stuff, the pirouetting and the, the twirling about, which was... Did you get any grief right. off the lads doing ballet? Yeah, a little, but I weren't bothered. No, no. I was just like, I, don't, I was quite comfortable in my own skin. I didn't care yeah. what anyone said, like, I'm going dance. I didn't really call it ballet at the beginning. I right. called it dance. dance. Sounds a bit different. But then obviously I got I got to an age where I was quite confident. I didn't really care. My mates were, to be fair, you know what you know, it's like in your area, if you're a good footballer, you get away with a lot. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you get protected probably by the older boys. He's yeah. a good footballer, leave him. Or you go in ballet, you can say what you want. I'm better than you at football, shut up. Yeah. Football was the main I'm better thing. better at ballet yeah. and football. Do you know what I mean? So it was just kind of, that was my get out of jail card. Mm-hmm. What did you like at school? 
Um, I've got to be careful because my kids watch because <laughs> it's mad I've got to report out because I went mad at one of my boys a while ago about a year ago and I said they've been naughty at school like you're not naughty but you just be, he's a bit of a, a toe rag at times mm -hmm. bit loud in the class talks too much um, distracts others easily distracted difficult uh, to imagine where he might get out from isn't it <laughs> and I pulled out a report I don't know how, what happened was doing something upstairs and I pulled out a report and my report was like a mirror image of his and he went daddy you had a go at me <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah I was um I was, I was one of them who was capable, but could do better, could yeah. do more. Mm -hmm. You said, well, you were a John Barnes fan. What, mm -hmm. what was your ability like at that age? Were you watching other footballers trying to imitate them? Or what, what, what were you like at that yeah, age? It was different. Than it. They, they get so much like footage now, the content they get now. A kid, just at like, the fingertips, is just watching clip after clip of players where we yeah. had just like a VHS video that you just rewind, play, rewind, play, watch the same person like Maradona, Gaza, uh, John Barnes, best. I had good videos about them guys. And then, um, but I was an attacking player when I was a kid. I was a midfielder, attacking midfielder. So um, they were more the players like Paul Lintz, Gascoigne, John Barnes were the players that I love watching. And it weren't until I was about 14, 14 years old, almost 15, I got asked to play centre-back when a player didn't turn up. And I hated it. But then the manager played me there the week after that. Then we turned up again, played me again there. And I was like, hold on a minute. I'm not enjoying my football. But then he said, listen, I think you've got a better chance of making it if you play there. Right. And then when he said that, that was, that was it for me. Mm. Am I right in thinking, because we're talking about school, you went to school with Stephen Lawrence? Yeah. That must have been like a, I mean, I don't know, but that must have been when he was murdered. That must have been a really horrible part of your life. Yeah, it was just vivid. Yeah. As a kid, especially with stuff like that, you don't really take too much in. It's just like it's life's quite quicker than them stages of your life and lots going on. But I remember being in school and, and um, school, the day just stopped. And then the rumours started going around. Why has school stopped? Like, you know, Stephen, some, something's happened to Stephen. No, it's, oh, yes, someone said he's dead. And it's like Chinese whispers. And you're thinking, wow, school. And then we all got sent home. And then we didn't go in for a couple of days, obviously, because he had been killed. Um, and yeah, the rest is history with his mum. My mum became very close with his mum, actually. And I'd, I'd done a few things on TV at the time, hoping that people would come out and, and speak and if they had any clues of what had happened. So uh, his family were yeah, prominent in my childhood growing up from mm -hmm. like about 12, 11, 13 years old. Yeah. Did that shape you at all? Because it's such a big it just dramatic makes you more, thing yeah, to happen it, it, at that it age. It makes you more aware. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It makes you, like, I always, for instance, the first thing I said once, once he that happened, we said, "Oh, he'd been he'd been killed." The first question was, "Where was he?" And when they said, "Oh, he was in Eltham," the first thing that came to mind was, well, "What's he doing around there when it's dark?" Because you know, yeah. you know that there's certain places you don't venture into, especially if you was a, a person of colour back then. Um, so again, it, it it made you more aware of certain situations and and where you was and what time you was at certain places when you were that age, definitely. Mm -hmm. Do you think those experiences, and also because obviously Damalola Taylor was murdered in Peckham, yeah. helped you reach a point where you as a player, and was still a player, put your head above the parapet and came out and spoke about racism at a time when lots of people don't for very valid reasons, but you felt compelled to do so? Yeah, I, 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 got a, I felt a sense of responsibility from quite a young age as a player. In that sense, um, Damalola Taylor wasn't to do with racism. It was just like a young kid who was who was injured and stabbed in a stairwell for no reason. Um, and like anybody who wouldn't come out and speak about something like that, whether the boy was black, mm -hmm. white, mm -hmm. or anything, you 
would be crazy. So that was that. But with the Stephen Lawrence stuff, I think over the course of the years of the investigation, you come to realise that it is a racist attack. Mm -hmm. So to speak out of it, about it was like, for me, I thought it just was a normal, natural thing to do. But I think the players today have such more power than we had. Yeah. I, I would speak out and it was almost like it was at the editor's decision or discre discretion whether he took that on board and put it in his paper and then where he put it and how much lines he gave yeah. it, how much space he gave it. Whereas now, Sterling speaks out about something or Rashford, it, it's amplified massively because of social mm -hmm. media. So the power that they've got now to be able to, to get involved in situations is huge. But you, because I mean, we're just talking as we're talking. Mm. You had an issue here, didn't you, this season? Was it in the last season? No, it was at Wolves. Was it Wolves? Yeah, it was away at Wolves. Um, that's like an ongoing case, so I can't really yeah, talk about uh, it. But fine, yeah, but yeah. Um, but yeah, racism obviously still exists so, yeah. and, and in stadiums as well. Do you think enough is being done within football to make any effort, or even society generally? Yeah, I think it's, it's both. I think obviously education in society needs to be probably a bit more with kids, the next generation of, of children just taught a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, because they're going to have people within their networks and their families who have, have got that ignorance yeah. about racism who will be quite influential at kids of young ages mm -hmm. so giving them the education and the tools to be able to kind of go actually no I've, I've just I've been taught something in school and you're yeah. wrong Uncle John mm -hmm. or Uncle Dave or whatever it yeah. is like and be able to push back a little bit whereas at the moment I think the young kids probably aren't equipped to be able to go no no I don't agree with what you're saying and yeah. just just get influenced then um, and then football is probably just a, a reflection of society as well if it's going on in society it's going to happen here in the football stadiums at some point and we see again yesterday the Rangers game it is going on mm -hmm. but I just feel that the, the the authorities probably need to be a little bit stronger in, in some of the punishments they're given out. And I think that there's not enough in terms of punishments to say to someone, mm, I better think twice about doing that in the stadium or around football. Mm -hmm. uh, so we move on to joining West Ham. You were, what age when you went and joined the academy there? I think I was 14, 14 years old, yeah. 14, it was... Um, was that close by your house? No, it was... Um, it was quite a journey So I'm then. from South London, and it was like East London. Sorry. So it's like, no, you wouldn't know where that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that? How many miles? Yeah, of course, it's, <laughs> it's only about eight miles, but that's... So it's like Millwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no I'm around Millwall when it's going to West Ham. There, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so it's... Um, so again, quite that quite was a part, big dedication, you know, yeah, when you're... Yeah, and what... I was always one, like, my mum and I were quite strict when I was young. Stay on the estate, don't come off. So like one of the reasons going to ballet was allowed to go to a different area as well. Mm -hmm. So that was like an adventure. Yeah. Also with West Ham, I'm traveling, having to do like, get on one bus, three, two free trains, another bus to training takes like two hours. It's an adventure. So it was like exciting for me every day. I loved it. Is this after school? Yeah. Wow. So like with friends, I was like two hours to get there. You have to get there by half five and you'd, you'd just scrape in there. But it's like getting there, docking and diving on the trains and tubes and that. It was brilliant. And um, nicking a few quid because I could put it on the on the um, expenses, expenses. <laughs> and put it at like tenner and it was only paying two pound probably or sometimes just jump the barrier. Mm. But um, Don't do that, kids. Can't get me done retrospectively, <laughs> surely. But, um, but it was a... Uh, no, that's, that's what... I, and I loved it at West Ham. It's a great club. Um, I always say when I got here, West Ham was like a mini version of Man United. It's like when you walk in, no matter how many years later, you see loads of old faces. People yeah. worked here 30, 40 years. It's their life. They live and breathe it. It's the same at West Ham. Mm. So I, that, that, it was a real family family club. I loved it. Did you have any chances going anywhere else? At that age? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember sitting in my front room with my mum and my mum was on the phone to like Millwall. Um, which would have been on your doorstep. Yeah, yeah. which was on my doorstep. Millwall, um, Charlton, Middlesbrough, Norwich, 
they were the main clubs. I think Chelsea might have been as well. They were the clubs who, who wanted me mm. to go there and, and I'd visited all them clubs because you could do it back then. Yeah. And it was it was really at West Ham, the story it was and the narrative was, we don't want to be buying any first team players. We want to be putting kids from our youth system, the academy, mm -hmm. and the academy is what it used to be called. And they hadn't had players come through for years, like Tony Cotty and Paul Lintz were the last main ones that come through. So that was years before my time. So they put a real conscious effort in investing in youth and at that time, and I thought, yeah, there's a pathway to the first team then, mm -hmm. and I want to stay and I want to be here. How focused were you at this age that your life was going to be as a professional footballer? Were you thinking, this is it for me, or was it just something you enjoyed and you did and you had other pursuits? No, it was amazing to tell you. you could, there's no half-stepping like, oh, I'm a bit over there, I'm going to do that as well. It's just like football is just your absolute the be all and end all. It's all you talk about. It's all you're excited about as a young kid. And again, like even for instance, the journey to go training, I had a lot of mates who were really good players, but they would miss that bus that then would make them late for training. Mm -hmm. Well, I would never miss that bus or that train or that tube. I was always on there. As much as I like messing about, I did like a mess about and have a laugh with my mates. But as soon as that time come to go, I was off. Mm -hmm. How much did you shine in that team in the academy at the time? It's funny because I met a few of them the other day, about six of us got together um, and was talking and every one of them were probably better than me at that time. Um, and a lot of it, I thought... How many of them actually went on to make it as a pro? One. One. One made it, played pro football yeah. and the others played might a couple of games but then went non-league yeah. and then fizzled out. At, at what age is this? Because other people might be thinking what I'm thinking because you were in the academy but wasn't there that sort of incredible generation of you and Michael Carrick and Joe Cole? No, so, and so, so it, was, it, was, um, it was more... So it was me, Frank Lampard. Yeah. Frank Lampard's a year older than me. So yeah. me and him was in mean, similar ages. Mm -hmm. And then like two years, three years below us was Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, okay. Defoe, yeah. um, Glenn Johnson, and my brother a bit younger than that. Mm -hmm. But it was... Um, so those yeah. aren't the players you're talking about when you're no, saying so that. No, so I met a few players that you would never know about. They were yeah. like, they, they fizzled out, went non-league, lower league, etc. Um, and they were all probably more highly thought of me at some, at some point in that in that beginning journey. And at one point, one of them who was there, he came into the team and took my place. I was sub for about six months. And I went for a growth spurt, a bit unorthodox all over the place, coordination went. And then but it, uh, we were talking, and I think it comes down to just that, that the makeup that you've got as a kid and the mental strength yeah. that you've got, you've got to be able to withstand these little competitions that come within the team all the time. And a new coach going up through the ages and impressing the next coach and making sure the next coach fancies you as well. It's like, it's, the challenge is all along the way and it's survival of the fittest really when you, when you look at it like that. And as, as long as you're built right and your men mental strength's there, to withstand those things and you've got a good chance. Like mm -hmm. ability, we've all got loads of ability at that age. They're all very similar, mm -hmm. some a bit better than others, but it's your mentality, I think, that will separate you and get you that career. Do you remember getting your first contract? Yeah, it was, uh, it's mad. It's like, I don't know, I was thinking it was on about £125 a week. It was like, I felt like a millionaire. Like, it's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? You just think, wow, what am I going to, I'm going to go to West End, I'm going to go to all the shops now, I'm going to buy a car, I'm going to buy my well, mum Would you not have done YTS then, no? Yes, yeah, so I was on like 29, uh, 20, yeah, 29 £19 pound. and then £29 yeah, yeah. Yeah, a week. So like, even then, when I started earning that, £19 a week and £29 a week, I was flying, thinking, wow. And the expenses, <laughs> I was living, like, it was unbelievable, so. What was yours, Maisie? Mine was um, £27.30, then it went up to 35 Mm. So he didn't really get that much of an increase no, compared to no. Macy. 
We was on. You were well paid, weren't you? But then when you start, when you get to seventeen, you sign pro, though, don't you? That's the 18, thing. 18, 18. 18, Then I went to hundred and twenty quid a week, and then I thought, oh my god, that's like ridiculous. I still had a paper round at eighteen. <laughs> got they pushed me up from fifteen to sixteen pound a week though. <laughs> I was pretty pleased with it. It is mad though the, the 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 jump that we had, and we felt like we were minted at yeah. that time. Compared and you think now. about compared to kids now who are going from school and they're on ten grand a week or yeah. twenty grand a week, it's like what that must do to their mindsets and that maybe that hunger there must be some sort of hunger that gets taken out of them when they get that money so quick do you think it would have affected you i don't know i i love football so much though i don't think everybody everybody probably says that but i just genuinely just wanted to be a footballer i just all my mates just love football i didn't have no mates in my circle who didn't like football yeah. all of us just loved it and like so it was it was like no matter what I earn, I don't think it would have changed me. But I think society is very different now. They see a lot more. They see what all the players have got. They see all the cars and all yeah. the all of the holidays and whatnot they've got. So it's almost like they're 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 playing football to get to that rather than playing football to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's different mindsets maybe. You probably were the last generation really then to have experienced not less money because it- <laughs> Do you know what I mean? As a young as age, a though? Yeah, yeah, as kids, yeah, probably, yeah. And you think it's not even that long ago, really, no. how much has changed? No, it's the, the landscape changes so quick. Mm-hmm. and it's. Um, but that's why the kids nowadays have to have strong mentalities to get mm-hmm. through it. Their mindsets have to be really switched on and, and good people around them. Mm. What was your first car? My first car was a Fiesta 1.3 Freestyle. Unbelievable car. <laughs> Do you know what? I bought it. Listen to this, right? I bought it. I went into the showroom, bowled in there like Brand I was new. the man. No, it was a second-hand one. Oh, yeah. And I paid for it. It was like three nine nine nine. You know, in the window on the, on the thingy, right? <laughs> and uh, my sign-on fee was four grand. So I just whacked it all on the car. So I'm sitting there doing the paperwork. And she went, "You've got insurance." I went, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're expecting just to drive it out?" <laughs> I thought I was leaving. That she, well, you got? I said, "What's that?" She went, "You know, you got to have insurance to be able to drive this car away." I said, "Don't know what I." She went, "I went. How much is that roughly?" She went, "I don't know." She went, "Actually, because you're a young footballer, it could be really big. Insurance for young footballers is massive." Yeah. The, the insurance was like about 1,500 quid. And I was thinking, I can't even get the car now. I was going to have to go to a loan and ask her for a loan. But um, no, it was mad. So um, yeah, I was brassic after that. Just because we're on this funny chat, did you ever get to a point where later in your career maybe, because obviously, like, and I'm sure people have mentioned like the white suit and stuff when mm. you signed. Do you ever have a moment now where you look back and you went, oh, maybe that was a bit too of a footballer financial decision? Oh, it's loads. There's, there's loads. We all make mad decisions when yeah. we, when we cut, especially when you first come into money and that. And my mum was coming into my, into my room. I was still living at home and I was at West Ham playing first team, I was playing for England at home still. And she was coming into my room and she couldn't see the floor. There was bags of clothes, bags of gloves, <laughs> just going out and just spending money yeah. like it was confetti. It was just unbelievable. But she was like, are you going to just relax and just enjoy playing football for a bit now rather than just enjoying everything else? But it's such a quick, it's a whirlwind that just takes takes over you. And if you if you can't get that control back, then you do get lost. There can't be very many professional footballers who are representing their country and a first team and still living at home. Yeah, I know. Was I know. what was the decision behind that? You just liked being at home. Yeah, I, I had a flat, but I stayed at home yeah. still. It was weird. And I'd go and stay at the flat after an hour. That's it <laughs> for the first like six months or something like that. But it's the cooking, isn't it? Yeah, I'm no. not going to finish training cooking, and come yeah. home and start yeah. cooking. No. just wasn't in me. Um, and it wasn't until I actually was forced when I went to Leeds, I had to cook. Mm-hmm. So then you, you start doing it and you learn and you take it on board. But at that time, when I've got the option to go home, I'm taking that option. Do you like cooking? 
I, I quite like it. I like barbecuing. I prefer barbecuing with a beer in the sun. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as cooking. <laughs> well, it, it, it's the way so I cook. It's, yeah, it's okay. the way I cook. Yeah, no. You did mention Leeds. It's a good time to bring it up. We'll not spend too long on Leeds still. No, uh, tell us about that time. Transfer. I have to say, whenever I see any Leeds fans who like who ever approach me, um, and they say, "What was your time? What do you think about it, Leeds?" And it's actually probably the, the most enjoyable phase of my career, and it's confusing to say that, probably for a lot of people. But it's it was such a carefree time. Mm. That squad was all young young guys. There was a core of us of about all like, all the Irish boys like Gary Kelly, Stephen McFarl, Robbie Keane, etc. All the, a core of us of about nine, twelve players. All had girlfriends. A couple of them were wives, and all went out together. Mm. Sometimes all the lads went out, and then the, the girls would go out, or the, yeah. the couples. But it was a real tight knit group of guys who loved, again, loved football, but loved having a good time. And it was a one-club city. So whenever you went out, mm. you get looked after by all the people at the bars mm. and the clubs. Everyone enjoys seeing you. Whereas, like, obviously, unfortunately, living in a city like Manchester, you've got two clubs and sometimes yeah. you go somewhere and there's a, there's a Man City fan on the door. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit frosty at times. But it was, it was a real just enjoyable time. I loved it. The team was carefree. The manager, he made me captain almost immediately. Like, it was just like riding the crest of a wave there. How did that move come about? Because how much was it? 30 Eight. million? 18 yeah. million. 18. World's most expensive defender at yeah. the time, right? Yeah. And it's weird. I played against Leeds that week. I played against and Leeds, I think, like on, the, on the, the Wednesday night. No. And then on the Thursday or Friday, I was out with my dad shopping again and, um, <laughs> <laughs> for house stuff, actually. And um, I got a call from the, the CEO at West Ham and said, listen, we've accepted a bid for you to go to, to Leeds. And bearing in mind the summer before and the year before that, I'd, I'd gone into the chairman and said, we're going to spend some money. We've got unbelievable kids yeah. in this team. Are you going to spend some money? He said, no, no, no. But I stayed anyway. And then when they accepted the bid from Leeds, even before I got there, I knew I was going. And then I got there, spoke to David, uh, Peter Ridsdale. Um, and then I just said, listen, can you get David, David Leary on the phone? Um, and because they, they were talking about money and stuff like that, and I weren't really interested in that. I thought I was, I'm going to get paid a lot of money anyway, sure. but I want to know that this manager is going to coach me. Mm -hmm. And I just said that to him, are you going to coach me? Please tell me you're going to, are you going to drill me every day and get your coaches on me? And he was like, don't worry, you'll leave here a much better defender. Mm -hmm. So that was it. And then that weekend I, I went and signed. So it's quite a quick... Did the pressure of it being the world's most expensive player? Do you know what? You don't actually... You don't I know it's nothing to do with you. To yeah, you don't think about that. it. No. I mean, so you know, you had moves where yeah. you, it's a big amount of money, but you you try not to think about it, but everybody else does. Yeah. And um, I always found this, that every time I moved somewhere, the, the hardest or the most pressure I ever felt was the first day of training in front of the team. Hmm. It was always like, because they're your, your teammates, you want them to think that you're worth that money, you're worth yeah. bringing you here, and you, 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 can, you justify that. So... Yeah, the first day at, at training at, at, at Leeds, and I think the first game, to be fair as well, we got beat 3-1 by Leicester at Filbert Street. West Ham won, went above Leeds. And I'm sitting there going, I've made a boo-boo, this is a bad decision, what am I doing? Like, depressed and that. And then it just, eventually it got better and stuff. And, but it was, a, it was a great time there, I loved it. It's interesting you said about training being like the first day of training, feeling maybe a little bit nervous because yeah. a few people we've spoken to have mentioned you specifically on like their first day of training and maybe hitting some passes or whatever to test people. Is that something you did intentionally because you'd previously had that kind of thought process? 
Yeah, I think every, all players are testers, aren't we? Like yeah. we all we. The, I don't know. As soon as you get in the box, that's yeah, it, isn't it? I don't know. Oh. Maisie's dropped his microphone. <laughs> I don't know many many more testing environments with people wanting to see a reaction and wanting to test and see. And I, I was quite like that when I played as well. Like if a new player come in, I want to see what he's about, what's he made of, what's his first touch like. First day is always hard, so let's drill a few balls or bobble a few balls in, but. Yeah, it was the first day, at, even at United, was, was I actually kicked the ball off, the, it was a wet surface. I don't know if he was there, Maisie, he might have been in the box and, and someone smashed the ball at me and as I've gone to play it, the ball's gone up and hit me in the head. <laughs> and it's so embarrassing. I thought, oh my God, they're going to think I'm rubbish. And I remember Oli saying, um, how much? That's Straight away. Oh, and no. I just thought, wow. The fact that you still remember those, yeah, you don't forget those bad. kind no, of things. It was never forgotten, won't be forgotten. But, it was, um, but they're little things that are just testers because some people will fold. Some people never recover from that moment and think, oh, I'm going to just really tiptoe around now. Well, you just can't afford to be like that. We are going to have a little walk around the stadium, a little trip down memory lane in just a minute. But I just want to ask about that transfer to United. I want to ask you, though, Maisie, do you remember uh, Rio coming yeah. to the club? Because obviously, that again, that was another record mm. uh, in terms of the fee. Yeah. As well, players, what did you it. think? Well, obviously, Rio being centre-half, me being centre-half, I knew yeah, that no, the club... Yeah, no, probably wasn't great. I knew, I knew that the club were going to have to spend a lot of money to replace me and uh, <laughs> to say that I brought in one of the, you know, the world's most expensive um, <laughs> defenders to replace me is uh, probably about right. So you've got fair. Maisie to thank for your Manchester United always, career. Me, I that's <laughs> always thanked him. <laughs> but yeah, as players... You know, hey, listen, it happens at every club. Mm. You, you want the manager to... Uh, Rio touched on it earlier on. You want the manager to spend the money that the club generates on the best players. Mm -hmm. Whether that's in your position, you know, Yap came in, Ronnie was there, uh, then Rio came in, Vidic came in and, you know, these players are just, they're absolute superstars and to represent the club, you need the best players mm -hmm. available and obviously Rio was one of them. Yes. Go on. I was going to say, how did that move come about for you? And also, were you nervous about the idea of joining United from Leeds because of how the Leeds fans would react? It's weird. I didn't realise the rivalry. Mm -hmm. As much as I was the captain of Leeds, but I just didn't realise how intense it was yeah. and what it would mean. Um, and I've been at the World Cup all summer and obviously Butty and um, Bex and everyone's there. And I remember speaking to Butty a good few times about coming to United and like, would you come, etc. Managers obviously telling him to ask questions and what, my, what the temperature is on it and stuff. And like, as soon as I knew United were interested and, and I knew the financial situation at Leeds as well, um, I knew they were in trouble. That really just made my mind up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a, I'm leaving a club that really is on the cusp of trying to win the Premier League. Mm -hmm. and win the, I knew that this moment in time was money, like yeah. a real problem for Leeds and they needed the money. If they didn't sell me, there'd have been big issues. Mm -hmm. So that, that as well, but the fact all my life I'd wanted to win trophies. I played like five or six years, four, four or five years in professional football, not got close to winning a trophy. And all I wanted to do was win Man United, serial winners. And so yeah. once I, had that, I heard Man United were interested, I made it clear to everyone at Leeds. I went to the chairman direct, went to his office and just said, listen, got to make, make it, it happen. happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. please. Because I, I want to go to Man United. I want to play. I want to win trophies and I can't do that here. And you need to sell me, by the way. Mm -hmm. I know you do financial, for the financial reasons. And then it took a bit of like wrestling here and there, but it, a couple of days and it was done really. So, and the rest is history, but it was the best thing I've done. Did Sir Alex phone you personally? You, I know you said you spoke to some of your England teammates, but no, did you speak to the manager? No, because that wouldn't have been legal. So um, oh, yeah. that would have been... <laughs> I think it's fine. No, He's retired, you've retired. Everybody else has so, told us about their phone calls. No, so <laughs> I, I, um, 
I, just, I knew, obviously, I knew through different people um, within my circle, yeah. speaking to the guys over here, and it was just, it was obvious. Um, Fun- I've solved it. Rio, what was your first conversation with Sir Alex like when you joined the club? Okay, yeah. Um, he just said, what the hell are you wearing? Because I had a white suit on. Um, <laughs> uh, that was his first comment. But it was, um, no, I come in here and, do you know the mad thing is, I don't know about you, Maisie, when, you, when I signed here, the first thing I wanted to do was just get a hold of the kit. I wanted to see what the kit felt like, mm. the socks, like what type of socks are they? They're they going to be too tight or stretchy or the smell of the kit. And that was mad, like little things. And then you, I come and I'll, I'll never forget walking out on the pitch. Um, the suit's actually more famous than me, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, for right or wrong reasons, I don't know. But it was, um, it, was a, it was a really like monumental day in my life, definitely. Should we get down there? Yeah, come on, let's go. On the move. Right. Ria, what does it feel no, like? Are we talking walking? Yeah, yeah we'll do it. Come on, mate. What's it like now as you are and you're walking around Old Trafford like this? Do you just take it for what it is or do you feel like flooded with memories? Um, it depends. If I let myself, my, like my, my mind wander and stuff, then I, you get those old memories back and you think about them great nights. Um, but in general, when I'm here, I'm just you enjoying like how it's evolved how different it is you look at that, I look at stuff like that a bit more the, the ground's changed a lot yeah some of the per- people around the place have changed there's a lot more people staff than when we yeah. was here <laughs> but it's um but no there are certain times I mean this when I'm coming down here now looking there the first thing that comes to my mind now is Liverpool yeah the, what goal, the, by the way? The, yeah, one of the best goals ever in front of the Stratford end um, <laughs> <laughs> left foot volley um, but Sorry. that's what comes to mind now um, and coming to celebrate here mm-hmm. but um, yeah it's just this is a special place man whether, whether you play here or not do you still get the buzz coming here yeah yeah I just, I just yeah. love it walking into the ground is just still the best it's just a, it's, it's my favourite ground anyway but I just uh, I don't think there's many stadiums that, that kind of you, you feel the history immediately once you come in here there's a lot of new stadiums now and they're kind of they ain't got that no. that history of that feeling that you get when you walk in. Like you walk in and you can feel like the, the old big big names like the George Best, the, the Dennis Laws, the Bobby Charlton's, etc. You mentioned the Stretford end. Obviously, we're currently stood at the bottom of it. You had an incredible relationship with the fans. Did you feel like that happened straight away? Do you think it was because of the way you played? Why do you think that was? Um, yeah, I just think probably they might have just seen that. I just they could see that I love football. I, I was quite a calm but when we scored I was normally the furthest away but first to celebrate <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it's just like they probably maybe seen a, I don't know but they maybe see a reflection that's what they probably would have been doing mm-hmm. but no I don't know it's weird I just think the fans here they get behind the players if you if you give 100% here and you and, and you, you have a bit of success whether you're a player that doesn't play every game or one of the ones that starts all the time I think they treat you near enough the same other than if you're obviously Ronaldo <laughs> what about the pitch it's much better now I'd love to play on that now used to get to like December January, February and there'd be yeah divots everywhere you'd see the groundsman pulling his hair out he'd have lost half a stone by then wouldn't he that stage of the season (laughs) (laughs) but it was uh, yeah it was it was bare in places but now it's like a carpet it's unbelievable there's no there's no like no Maisie, how many times there? would you have passed oh. the ball and gone, oh my God, like that? So we've all done it, but no, you can't do that yeah. one. When you look at it, is there like a game that springs to mind? Yeah, I think that, that Liverpool game, I think the Swansea game as well, the last goal. Yeah. 
at Old Trafford, the one I scored down here mm-hmm. against Swansea, mm-hmm. was uh, something that comes out. But again, Roma, that was probably like probably the most near perfect game we've I was involved in ever in my career as a team. Um, but then the longer you stand here and think, the more you can you can just see it. And also, there's games where you've lost that you think about. And but yeah, Bayern Munich here when we lost when Robin scored late. Real Madrid, Ronaldo scored here. Like. Yeah. So yeah, nice. It's, I don't think there's a bad feeling walking down out of the tunnel on a European night on a big game. When they do the tours, obviously there's a tour going on now, and they'll play the music, the Champions League music, or the Stone Roses. I still get that tingling on the back of my neck. Oh. It still gets you. Yeah, yeah. Standing so, there like that, yeah. amazing. When you're standing, waiting. Let's do it, let's go and stand there. The tunnel's like, the ton- don't forget these tunnels out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're standing there and then you're seeing their team come out and like... Eyeballing he, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looking and seeing who's who and like decide, oh, he's, he's not as big as I thought he was. Oh, he's a bit, he's put on a bit of weight in more. But then also, I remember this this tunnel for me is one of the main biggest memories after like the initial just coming here and just standing, we stand on this side and standing here was the way it opens up as well, by the way. Like you just, it looks like nothing yeah, it's here, like doesn't it? It's fine, low and it's then, like, oh. it reveals itself and yeah. you think, oh my God, all that history. But this is the tunnel obviously where we had that big melee with Arsenal. Yeah. And so like, I remember walking up this bit here with Sol Campbell just talking like about, so I don't know what he was talking about. And I just see a few bodies flying about up there and mm-hmm. then we both just run. And I had to get to the other side, so throwing a few bodies out of the way to get to the other side. And then you come back and start. It was just mad, but it's um, the pizza gate, wasn't it? And all that stuff. But it's, uh, they're the good times, isn't it? They're just some of the things that make you laugh. Do you know what I mean? Robbie Savage got put on the floor down there. What happened there? Just got, he got emptied on the floor. Bye. By, by me and then Alan Smith after oh. as well. Um, but, uh, and then he had, um, he had someone of their players was standing outside their tunnel, I forget his name. And he's, his dad's the next manager anyway. He was outside like security. He was going, why were you picking on Sav for blah, blah. And he was yeah. going to get that as well then. No, no, he was a lump. But, um, <laughs> what was his name? Good lad as well, a nice fella. Anyway, go on, Sam. Go off, go off. <laughs> a lot of people say when they leave football, they miss the changing room. But for mm. you, do you miss the aspect of being in the tunnel and the build-up? Because that's where the, all the adrenaline is as well. Yeah, I miss, I miss the changing room, I've got yeah. to be honest. I miss the lads every day. Um, yeah. Should we go in? Yeah, come on. I, I miss the change room. I miss the... Me and Skulls used to play two-touch every single game. I'll show you in a minute. But like, we'd, do, we'd, we'd play two-touch. But it's the lead-up to the training, lead-up to the games. Amazing, you know, in, in the, in the yeah. physio room is the yeah. best bit where Brilliant. the banter is. Even this has all changed. This is like... Yeah, I was going to say the changing room's just been this recently is all done up, up isn't it? Different lighting. How's the gaffer's office? Yeah. How's the gaffer's office there? So if you got called in there, you knew you weren't playing. It was disrespectful, it's been turned into a boot room. We changed it around, that used to be the boot room. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that was Albert's room, wasn't it? Yeah. How did you get on with Albert? Yeah, great, great fella. Um, he was good. Him and Alec. Alec Wiley sometimes don't get a mention, but Alec was important as well. There was all good. There was all the people behind the scenes, these guys here. They were, he was here when I played as well, wasn't it? But I, I cleaned his boots. Hang on, come on. <laughs> I cleaned Rio's boots for him. <laughs> what's your name? Bill. Bill, what's your job? I'm a tour guide at Old Trafford. Why were you cleaning Rio's boots? That was my job. <laughs> <laughs> I clean lots of people's boots. <laughs> yeah, Rio was great. Rio was great. Cheers, mate. <laughs> I'll give you a five or later. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, good. It was, it was, um, we used to play two touch here. Yeah. There used oh, really? to be a door there. So me and, me and Skulls would come in. If it was really busy in the change room, mm-hmm. we'd come out, shut the doors, and we'd just play two touch How here. How close to kickoff are we talking here? So we'd go out, we'd go out for warm ups at like 25 2. So we'd be playing from quarter past till about that time, 20 minutes. Really? And you'd be sweating, sweating. Just yeah, me and me and him. We used to be me and Ronaldo first. Ronaldo left, and me and Scalzi done it for years. It's a good stand-in, to be fair. Yeah, I was lucky to be in that class. <laughs> There's a tour in there in the change room okay. currently. They're going to come out the way we're stood. Mm. So I don't know if we want to hide in this corner. Okay. I mean, the no good worries. news is you're fairly inconspicuous at <laughs> six foot five. <laughs> that was a physio room, there, wasn't it? Physio's room, yeah. treatment room. Into the. Uh, what was your pre-match routine? Did you have one, or were you just? Yeah, I was very, um, I was very uh, superstitious. So yeah. I used to do the same thing every single week. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd arrive here, I'd get a coffee from Albert. I'd be like, Albert, where's my coffee? <laughs> get a coffee, and then I'd have a strap in and a st- get stretched off, and then I'd come in and play two touch of Scalzi, and then I'd have a Red Bull before I leave the change room to go out, and then I'd get loads of water, splash it over my head as we were walking out, and then go out. And I'd always have to go out. Obviously, if you're captain, you go out first, but first or third, I'd go out, always. Why that number? I don't know, just, I don't even know where it started, but I was just superstitious. Yeah, superstitious about stuff. I'd run and do the same thing on the way out, run to one section of the stand. If there were fans that were in the Shetford end, They'd always, they'd, they'd, in a certain area, they'd know what I, would, I used to do every single game, run into that corner, do a certain zigzag run. Mad. Crazy. So, I think because you said about kits earlier, right? After your first year, you and Wes swapped numbers, didn't you? Is that no, right? it was me and... Um, Wes was 24. Oh, and then he went to number six yeah, after and, you vacated then, it. So I left number six and Lauren Blanc Long, went to number five. number five. So I signed and Lauren Blanc's obviously like the godfather of center arse at the time, won the World Cup, done a lot. And me being that youthful, um, come as the most expensive defender in the world. When I signed, I said to the manager, I said, boss, there's only one issue, I just need a number five shirt. <laughs> You'll have to wait a year, son, don't worry about that. Lauren <laughs> Blanc's got that shirt, and I won't be asking him for that shirt. But um, yeah, that was it. And I only got that superstition for that number because I went to the World Cup yeah. and done quite well. Mm-hmm. Signed for Man United on the back of it, so number five, that's the reason. And just their uh, superstitions come about like that. Start with it since when you were when you were playing and you talked about Laurent Blanc. Uh, there came a point when people were talking about you as the best centre back on the planet. Did you feel like that? Did you have that kind of confidence? Did you like it, or would you rather people didn't give you those kind of comparisons and you were able to just get on with the game? No, I think you like to be rewarded with good comments. But I think we all play. We all got egos. No matter what level you play at, there's egos and there's all wants a pat on the back. I think every player loves yeah. a pat on the back. Some need it more than others. But there was, I have to say, there was a time in my career where I did feel like, on, when I went on the pitch, I just felt like I was invincible at times. It's not a long period, probably a year, 18 months, two, two years, where you just feel nothing can happen. I've got no injuries, I'm not carrying nothing. I was I'm the fittest shape I've ever been in my life. I've got the right amount of experience. I've been exposed to the right amount of big games. Yeah. And I just felt like there wasn't, every game I went into, there was no one who really put me on the back foot in my mind before every game. And I mean, uh, it can only be Ronaldo and Messi who, who, who that period lasts for 10, 12, 15 yeah. years. Do you know what I mean? Everyone, everyone <laughs> yeah. gets six months a year, two years. Normally, Kaka had two years probably. Ronaldinho had two, three, three four maybe. Like, Did you, ever, do you ever look at players before the game? 
videos on my yeah. like that. And I did it when I was young because we didn't yeah. have the, we didn't have the, the technology. Yeah, yeah. But by the time I I was. How long, when would it have been? It would have been 2007, 8, 9. Them years there was where you was getting a lot of access to like the data, getting a lot of access to players. So yeah. I'd go up and say, like, listen, we're playing Suarez, Liverpool. I need... Um, I, 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 I want his last two games, all of his chances. And then I want all of his goals for the, for the last year or so. So yeah. it's only about six minutes mm. amount of con- uh, uh, stuff. But it's so did the players do that or was it just you? Uh, then it was down to the players to say, I want this. Yeah. So I'd go into the, the analysis guy and say, I know, can you get me all these clips? And then you'd either watch it there or you put it, you just load it up onto your iPad mm. and you take it away. And I'd watch it that night, I'd yeah. watch it that day, and I might watch a little bit in the morning. But it was the first real ability to really get more footage of people. Because I, I never, I hated being surprised in games. So sometimes you play in Europe and you go, we ain't got no footage of them. Anything about him? Yeah. yeah. You get into a game and you're having to learn on the job and yeah. you have to react on the job. And yeah. all these habits, I don't know, none of these habits, it's hard. It's harder back then. Mm. Whereas now, every player, even from 14 years old, you've got all yeah, the data, you know everything about him, I know what his, fo- his favourite move is. So. I'm sure you can really see the difference now that your sons play football, mm. how different it was for you back then which way would you prefer I think I prefer the way I came up maybe that's just old school thinking but I like like, most people do say that though don't they I like having to unpick things or there's a the puzzles there on the pitch and you you have to work it out whereas now I think you, we're at a point sometimes maybe where some of the kids are overcoached a little yeah. bit so they're not having to make decisions so when they get into a game they're not used to making their own minds up yeah yeah, yeah. so Stop it's difficult yeah. yeah we can head in the changing room now yep here we go where were you sat wow this is a difference man Jesus even the, uh, the <laughs> even the uh, <laughs> oh posh the sound the sound is different in there were you in charge of sound yeah, of course. For the well, first, yeah. <laughs> for the first like um, seven or eight, no, probably nine years, I was like bang on the music, mm-hmm. and then I just got bored of it, and then Patrice started doing it. Yeah, um, but I sat in the corner here. Go on, take your seat. So um, probably around here. It was it was square though, wasn't it? It was square. It was square before. Was it up to yeah, yeah, it's tiny. It was, yeah, it's probably this. halfway to, to change room. Where did you sit, Maisie? I was here. Big Pete, Gaz, Dennis, Pally, me. Just it's mad it's the same yeah in terms of my time was, was me and Vida yeah me Vida um, and then in the corner you had like Fletch obviously Edwin like you know, a few young boys like Welbs and Clevs we never had two sides though it was never, that was never there wasn't it no no we just had the oh yeah we just, we just had the there, board no there I was you know, I don't there, know was, there, was, there was two seats on that side next to the door there was one seat next to the door yeah there were yeah, that was it. Anybody yeah. ever sit in your seat? What? Did anybody like any no, young lads no, ever just no, come no, in no. and? Everyone's seat was sacred, didn't it? Yeah, you couldn't yeah. come in and just sit down. A young kid wouldn't come in here and just plonk himself somewhere because it was like you'd have been get up. Yeah. What are you doing? Been... What's the most <laughs> memorable team talks you've had in here from Sir Alex Ferguson? How many hair dryers? <laughs> yeah, I got a few, man. Um, mine were funny enough. My hair dryers were away from home a lot of the time. In Bayern, Bayern was the main one. For what? I, I, off I, no, I questioned. I questioned his decision to to, to bring someone on, oh. and I was remonstrating on the pitch, going, Whoa. and he just wow, <laughs> yeah, absolutely unloaded. But in here, I think his best one 
for me was not the best, we weren't the best team talk, but it was like, he made you realize and he, it rang true because after I mentioned earlier, the Roma game when we won 7-1 mm -hmm. and he come in and everyone was like, yeah, high five in, blah, blah. And he come in and sh he said, everyone shut up, be quiet, shut the door. He said, boys, just, you've got young guys in here. You've got senior pros, boys in the middle of their careers. It's very rare if ever you'll get a better night that just fits like this. This is a perfect night, so just enjoy it. Well done, boys. And I never ever got a performance ever or played in a performance like that before or after that again. It was just he just knew. Yeah. So um yeah, it's just that wise old man, isn't it? He's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. He is. You've had him on here for day, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Lucky. <laughs> it's all about who you know <laughs> she says having failed to get Johnny Evans on the podcast <laughs> it's not interesting it's not interesting he's too, he's too busy playing golf at training <laughs> yeah exactly what was it like in here after you after your first medal your first trophy well we won my first trophy at Goodison mm -hmm. where we got given the trophy actually um, yeah. but no like as I said I trained and been desperate for all my career to get to this point of coming somewhere where I was actually capable of winning. Mm -hmm. And you get here and we win it. And it was just like... What was the first one like? <sighs> I was just the like, best. Do you think the first one's the best? Yeah, it, it yeah. was. Because I, mean, I remember we, we, did, we won it and uh, we actually didn't play to win it. Mm -hmm. So we were, yeah. we were at home. I was in my house in, I think it was Crofton Lane, my house where it was in... in Wormslow and we was all on the phones Leeds were playing against Arsenal away Leeds beat Arsenal yes. at Highbury yeah. and which meant we, went, we, we won the, uh, the league without having to play I remember running down my street barefoot <laughs> screaming to who or with who to, to no one just running down the street going <laughs> and then people coming out going like what the like because I was quite a quiet around there and no one really knew me yeah. around there and then then it was just like within an hour we was in like a pub on Deansgate yeah. and then it just went off and I, that was like for three days was at the races in, in Chester, Chester yeah. and then I was like steaming every night and then we played on the Saturday again, or Sunday against Everton and Wazza was playing I think it was then didn't it? was it then I think it was anyway. but Wazza went to me um, why do you smell the smell of alcohol man you've been drinking <laughs> so it's been a long week do you know what I mean that, 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 it was just, when you win the league it just, everything just yeah, gets put yeah, to bed and you just yeah. go crazy I don't know if that was my first one when Mazza said that but the one with Leeds we was all out straight away I was, I was out four nights on the spin I lost my credit card everything but it's just the best the best feeling and it justified me coming here and that's why I felt comfortable whenever I spoke to anyone at Leeds or whatever you can't not say that it was the, the right move for me because yeah. I ended up doing what I, I wanted to do which was win I think we're going to head back out to the pitch again because we're going to get invaded by another tour. Yeah. Which Are we invading their tours? Nobody wants. Yeah. One thing would be great to talk about and a night that wasn't here, but you got to wear the armband. We played against an English team and you won the Champions League. Mm. What did that feel like? No, it was... Um, yeah, that's, that's the stuff of dreams. I think you, uh, that for me was the icing on the cake in my whole career at United. I think winning the leagues and different cups that you win. The Champions League is like the holy grail yeah. of club football. So to be able to kind of lead the team out, get to the, to the final stages and then obviously get to lift it and win it, it was just like, wow. That's like, that's the most emotional I've ever been on a football pitch in my life. Yeah, yeah, mate. I was, I was. Vida went to be real. Stop, stop. Not here. Not here. <laughs> it was Sir Bobby. Sir Bobby Charlton was talking to me just before he we went and lifted the trophy, and he was just talking to me about about, about the history and like, do you know like 
who's lifted it and just going through a little bit of the ages a little bit with me and then the magnitude of what you do yeah, yeah. Kind of just hit me at that moment and I started going my mouth started going and um, Vida went Ferdic not here not here <laughs> 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 I gave it myself and I was aware but it was uh, yeah it was, cra- it was crazy it was a mad experience do you think the his- you'd mentioned the history there is that something you knew a lot about before you moved to Manchester United no I knew nothing I knew nothing about best law Charlton I knew obviously who they were yeah I had no idea on what the magnitude, magnitude of what they'd yeah. done here and how how much they meant to, to the people of Manchester mm-hmm. and stuff and but something you probably learned quite quickly playing yeah, but for the club. I, I, I think, I don't know, maybe you tell me what you thought, but when I came here, immediately, you just immerse yourself in it yeah. all. You just, you want to yeah. know the history. You yeah. want to know how much they've won. You know, want to know, you want to know who's done what. Don't forget, you're walking around. Brian Robson's still doing the ambassador <laughs> role here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, um, who's the other fellas? Paddy Crevend. Paddy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got all these other guys who've won massive, massive things here, and you almost feel inadequate. That's how I used to feel. I used to think, I can't really talk too much to these guys until I've won something, at least. So and when I signed for the club, the, the gaffer didn't, obviously, nothing about wages, nothing about the money. He just took me to the trophy room and told me about the history of the club, and mm. he took me into the middle of the pitch and just said, this is it. This is Manchester United. And I'm like, I still get it now. That's <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. It's still get me now. It does. He done that to me, not in the trophy room. He, took, he walked out on the pitch yeah. there and he said, this is where great players have played. And when he says that to you, you think to yourself, I'm <laughs> under pressure now. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, it's a, he knows, man. He just knew you didn't have to say much. No. The little things there and just, they it prodigy. It is incredible. It is incredible. Yeah. The players that have played on that pitch oh. for Manchester United is like wow super just genuine superstars superstars who just change like some ch- sometimes just change the narrative of the club at times like even in our time we were here Scolzi probably the most talented player I've played with like you've got Rooney crazy talent yeah. one of the best English players ever you've got obviously Cristiano like what he done I was Giggly. just going to say we've got this far and we've not even really talked about Ronaldo yeah but besties like, <laughs> <laughs> no but he's just like <laughs> What can you say? This is like we had Tim Howard on this week, oh, and he yeah. said Rio will deny it. But in his early training sessions, he had Rio, the best defender in the world, falling on his backside. Who, who he had Rio as, as in Ronaldo? That. Ronaldo was was doing that. When I he, don't know what sessions he, he watched. That must have been when I was. <laughs> 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 no, I don't remember that. I've got to be honest. But no, listen, Cristiano was like a crazy talent. I mean, he, he, listen, he was he had a, every single player at one point would have been at his mercy yeah. in training because that's, that's the level that you're playing. But it was, um, yeah, I think it was just with Cristiano, if we're talking about him, it was just great to see the way that he developed. And I think that mm-hmm. takes a massive level of, of um, intelligence mm-hmm. to do what he done, especially as he came as a bit of someone who was about in, entertaining. Because you can get sucked into that here with George Best and there's the stories yeah, yeah. that you hear is about entertaining. And he quickly grasped that after a year or two that it was about end product, it was about winning, it was about I'm becoming the best. Back. Yeah, because I, I, I spoke ever, to him for years. Yeah, I spoke to him for years and he always said like, I used to say, you've got to come back at some point, surely. Yeah. The story's not over. Got to close the book, it's not finished. And he'd go, nah, I want to do this, that and the other. And then the situation just just, just happened. Man. So, when it was, it, so when it did happen a few weeks ago, and obviously all the talks going about City, did you actually get in touch with him or did you just yeah. say, listen, you ain't going there? 
Yeah, he <laughs> rang me in the middle of the night and just said, like, well, half ten, I was, that's the middle of the night for me nowadays. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, I understand uh, that feeling. But, um, and then we just had a conversation. And I said, you're not going to see because you just heard all the rumours. I said, you can't, you, you, mm. you can't. So no, actually, like as a fan, no, that's like how I'm yeah. talking. Like everyone, every one of us would have been saying the same thing. You can't go there. And then the situation just kind of played out through the conversations that we were having through the night and the different people we we're talking to within the club. So it's different. You can't go into detail about no, these no, things, no, but yeah. but obviously. It was nice to to do. It's a it's, it's a part nice of history to the club. Give you, give you a call isn't it? and just mm. say what do you think, and you know, obviously you're saying what, exactly what you've just said. He mm. can't go there, no. and, and he has. But he, I would say that he know he knew that he yeah. knew like his legacy. He, he and I think Cristiano is like I said, intelligent. Mm -hmm. So what he's achieved at this football club and the bond that he built with the fans and the the fan base around the world yeah. here, he knew the value of that and and what that meant if he went to City and played for them what that would have meant to these people mm. it would have been it would have crushed a lot of people here I know we've got to wrap this up really soon but a question I've got to ask you talked about how incredible it was the experience of winning the Champions League but the other man with us who's played here is a treble winner mm. and in the FA Cup semi-final that was that season you ended up in goal yeah. what was that like and do you look at that and think we should have had that too I think you always look at the stuff I don't know you tell me what you think I always look at more I think about more what could have happened and what we should have done and not what you've won a lot of the time and, and I, I've I that is one of them I think Portsmouth away the team if you look at the team you put out mm -hmm. yeah um, and there's other games like even Everton in the semi-final the team you put out me and Vida were probably the only two senior players on the pitch but like so it was but I understand it you know the manager's trying to he know, he's done that trouble before so he knows what to do so you have to trust him and we all trusted him yeah. like to the end so he was um, he was brilliant for us he was brilliant for us and he was like a, uh, you, you, listen I questioned so many things that he'd done over the time when we were there because that's just the personality that I was and sometimes he didn't like me for it obviously but in the, the end of it you, no matter what you just Good went with what he money. said yeah, yeah because he was just too good he just smelt things Rooney told us that if he'd gone in goal instead of you probably would have won you'd yeah. have won the treble I reckon he's probably right <laughs> I went in because I was tallest no matter what, go on go I went, take uh, a seat, was the best keeper but we needed him to score goals as well <laughs> do you know what I mean so but yeah I mean that, that is a disappointing one dis big disappointing thing because we were so close and the way it finished obviously we are beating Chelsea and then it could have been obviously all that like the best the, the, I reckon it's the most drunkest I've ever been in my life <laughs> I swear to you we've been at a few, <laughs> <laughs> been at a few parties together yeah. so you, oh, yeah. mate it was the do you know what happened a fan got in there in the party just someone who bought a ticket over there and he was with a few of his mates Man United hard Man United fan and he come in and he was going you can't drink blah blah and it was just like challenge must have, yeah it was like a challenge and I must have done about four three or four pints in quick succession like yeah. done it bang your turn down it he done it then got to about the fourth or the fifth pint and he just went nah and I ended up being an idiot and going I'm doing t a couple more <laughs> and I swear to you it was like someone hit me with a baseball bat in about an hour so you don't really remember much then no I do remember everything <laughs> and I, I, got, I got in the, my dad took me to my room I remember at the end of the night because don't forget we our party didn't start till probably like two o'clock in the morning because yeah. it was a late because it was Russian, Russian time and the flight was early in the morning and I remember my dad saying got to the room and I'm thinking I'm going to bed and he went no you've got to get a shower we're going on the plane back to London, uh, Manchester now I was like you tell Fergie <laughs> I'll fly my own plane I'm <laughs> 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 messing about like and he was going no you got to and I got in the shower I got in the shower in my suit 
Yeah. So I'm in the shower in my, and my dad's come in and he's going, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> then I get out in the end and then luckily the, the flight was delayed for a couple of hours. So it sobered me up a little yeah. bit. I've been sick in the airport, everything. It was oh. a disgrace. Disgrace. <laughs> Good lad. Um, we're sat in the dugout now on the seats. Obviously you've spent some time here. Not, not much time here. No, no. Not a lot. <laughs> not. But we know what you're doing now because we talked about it earlier. But when you got to that point when you decided that you had to leave here and that you were you were going to retire after your spell at QPR. Mm. How did that feel? How difficult was it to go through those that that sort of like I guess that last sort of year and a half? I think leaving here is the hardest because I I still thought I could add something to the to the to the club, not necessarily out on the pitch, but I thought I could add something to change them. You got to remember that that summer, I left, Vidic left, Giggsy left. Evra. Yeah. It's like four big, massive big, personalities yeah. and characters yeah. in that change room who all know how to win, all know the culture at the club, mm. who all played a part in managing the changing room. And I just felt at that time, that's what made it a bit more difficult because I thought, I thought I could have added, or at least one of us could have, or two of us could have added mm. something yeah. to keep things going the, right, the way they were and help David Moyes. Um, but it didn't happen. And uh, yeah, I think, I think anytime you leave this football club, there's a tinge of like, not bitterness but like it's a bad taste you don't want to leave yeah. here there's too many good memories here there's too many opportunities to win there's so yeah. much good that goes on at this club to, to leave but then obviously I go to QPR and I quickly realised that actually physically there was no way I could have stayed there I couldn't stay there because yeah. I was just I was like on a, on a sinking ship physically <laughs> yeah. I was just absolutely gone how old were you there? 35, 36 yeah. and I, my body just said by then no because you've got to bear in mind up until 30 I never had a real injury I might have had a meniscus, which was a four-weeker. That was it. But I never had a real bad injury. Got to 30 and my back just started playing up. And the biggest problem was I probably, looking back, I would have rather have just broke my leg. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. then I just know what it is. It's just bang. There it is. You're six, uh, it's two months, six months, wherever it is, you're, you're out and you can work with it. Whereas with my back injury, I was always chasing it. And then I weren't, I didn't never had a sustained period of time out to fix it. I was just always chasing it, patched it up, found a new surge, new person, patched it up, patched yeah, yeah. it up. And it, it killed me in the end. Mm -hmm. If you could have one more game here, or to relive it, what would it be? Ooh. The Barca semi-final. Skullsies. Yeah, Skullsies one that I assisted on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the way his stories usually go to. <laughs> I scored in game, but no one remembers. Yeah, no one, they don't even see that far back in the, uh, the build-up. But um, that, did you, did that you feeling... Did you to the keeper? <laughs> I got it from there when it went out I'll give it to the keeper there you know what it's just like no one that game was probably one of the most satisfying because I'm in a fight I got to the semi-final with Leeds yeah, yeah. got to the later stages in the tournament with United and just you start thinking am I ever going to get there mm. and then the relief in that game was one of the biggest reliefs of it and like guys we have got a chance now mm -hmm. like one of the best feelings I've had after a game bar, like, bar the, the games where you win a trophy Awesome. I think we've got to finish it there. Um, we're going to get um, your centre-back partner on very soon, the Manja Vidic. What do you think we should ask him? Vida. <laughs> Vida. I don't know. Is he going to go into management or what? He's always that, said he's is, going to be a coach. Or is that we'll ask him? Yeah, ask him. What's he doing? Is he going to be a manager or not? We'll put it to him. Uh, Rio, thank you so much. Thank for you so much. I've got a better question than that. Surely that's a question, isn't it? <laughs> he put you on the spot there, to be yeah. fair. It's quite hard to think of a question. Hardest opponent. Says, uh, says yeah. Me. Okay. Who was your hardest opponent? 
The most difficult to play with, play against, was probably players like Raul, mm. Burkamp. The players that played up against me, I wanted to run. I was right with them yeah, guys. Yeah. They, were my, they were more serious on my side of play. But players that made you think, especially well, when I was coming up, like, where are they? I can't yeah. touch them, can't feel them. Them guys, Zola, mm. people yeah, like yeah. that, I used to find really hard. What about you? I didn't mind the physical side of it. I, that didn't bother me. It was people who were quick. I'd, I'd have to give them a yard, two yards. Mm. But then that, you learn then, don't you? Yeah, when yeah. to drop off, when to step up. But yeah, I didn't mind the physical side of it because, mm. like you say, you can touch them, you can feel them, you know where they are. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. all the little sly ones that are. The ones when they're saying to you, do you want to come in? Do you want, do you want to, if you're centre half there and he drops off in there and he's, and he's saying yeah. to you, do you want to come in and mark me or are you going to stay there? <laughs> and then like, you don't yeah. go in, but he gets it at turns <laughs> and then picks the pass and they yeah. score or something. You think, F yeah. yeah. All right, guys, listen, thanks. Thank yeah, you so much, Thanks for coming. And that was it. That was our tour with Ro Ferdinand. Before we get into how good the podcast was, how much fun was it just doing it as a tour, like walking around and having him see stuff and remember stuff and sharing that? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that one. I haven't done a tour of Old Trafford for a very long time. And in fact, it was the first time I'd been in the new changing room too. Really enjoyed that. What did you think of it? Very slick. Huge, huge. Big old circle. Maisie, did you like the new changing room? Well, because of the size of the squads now, obviously you need to get more players in, but... I like I like a little bit of intimacy. I like I like the the, the togetherness. I think that you just if you actually remember the very first ones that I was in, it's mm. probably twice the size of it now. But yeah, obviously things change and changing rooms have changed. But uh, medical rooms pretty much the same. So yeah, all good. Yes, really enjoyed that podcast, and I felt like Rio gave us really good time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, busy man. Got a lot going on. I think everybody, with the exception of Robbie Savage, will have enjoyed that podcast. Listen, there's, there's there's many things that have happened down the tunnel, and and that's just one of them. This is a great opportunity to share some. No, because it's nothing to do. It's we're about the real one, and what happens in a tunnel generally stays in the tunnel, Sam. With lots of TV cameras. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maisie, for you, is Rio one of the club's best ever defenders? Uh, yes, I think the, I think the partnership with Vidic was was probably one of the best I can remember over the last 25, 26 years of being associated with the club. Definitely, you've got Rio as like sort of like the Rolls Royce of a defender, and then you've got Vidic, who is a battering ram who would no doubt put his head where some players won't put the feet, and um, it was a perfect partnership. It really was similar to Pally and Brucey, you know. Pally was similar to Rio, came out with a ball, very good on the ball. So yeah, he was a, he was a top, top defender, really was. Also, that Rio and Vidic story that he gave us about Sir Bobby Charlton was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, not here, Rio, that one. Yeah, not here. That was great. All right, should we have a look at some emails? Helen, is that what you've got going on? Yeah, I've got one here from Matt Royal. He said, hi, Team United podcast, following on from my mail below to say a huge thank you. I was delighted when I saw this notification on my phone. The notification says you have early access to our new episode with a bona fide club great. And that one was with John O'Shea. He got a little reminder from Manchester United on his phone. So that was nice. Nice. He said, keep up the brilliant work. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much indeed, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Italian Cumbria Red says... Decent hosts, especially David Mayers, an ex-player himself with lots of funny stories, some great and very interesting guests in current and former players and managers with lots of stories. Gave us five stars, but I feel like decent hosts 
could be improved upon in terms of the language used. I don't think decent is... is... No, I think we're more than decent. Yeah, if, if we're getting five stars, if he wants to give us three stars, that's absolutely fine. If he thinks we're just decent, that's cool, I'll take it. But if you give us five stars, maybe uh, maybe magnificent hosts. I've got a tweet here from Nathan Coleman who says, cracking, listen this, what a fella Javier Hernandez is uh, having listened to the podcast. Absolutely loved it. Cheers, Nathan. That was a good one. Yeah. We only asked him three questions. We got an hour and a half out of him. <laughs> he was a superb guest. <laughs> How many do we have to do until a box set comes out? The box set is out. That's what this is. Box set? Yeah. What do you want, like a DVD? No, what, you want an actual physical copy? Like royalties, yeah. You want VHS royalties? <laughs> well. That's not happening. Okay, guys, thank you very much indeed. That is it for another week. Um, remember, you can get in touch with us by email, unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk, or you can always tweet us if you would like. Uh, the email address is in the notes for this episode if you need it. Also, a reminder that you can watch the box set of all of our episodes of the United Podcast on MUTV, with new episodes airing every Friday. Or you can catch us out on the app as well. Maisie has just discovered that we have a box set. Oh. Now available at HMV. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye. Take care.